Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Happy Father's Day once again. Can we just all agree that there's some pretty strange dads out there, uh, according to that video? I don't know about you, but I got some pretty good ideas from that. I'm going to try that whole uh, fly fishing thing with teaching my son to play baseball. Uh, There's some fun fun ideas in there. But again, want to welcome you here today. My name is John. I'm one of the campus pastors here. And it is my honor and privilege to be with you here on this Father's Day. Again, a special welcome to all the dads, all the grandpas, all the men out there. We want to celebrate you and lift you up today. Absolutely. Praise God. It is no accident that God has led you here today, and we are praying for you. We want you to know that whether you're here in the room, upstairs, downstairs, or worshiping online, you are a part of God's family here at Hope Elam today as well. Something about the hearts of a dad for their children. So much fun, so much joy as well. And today, if you are here uh, with your dad, with your grandpa, with your family, that is awesome. We pray that you celebrate today, that you have an awesome uh, time together as a family. But we also understand that you might not be. Uh, as well. And the reality is, is that this day can be hard for a lot of people. For some, day, for some of us, it's very, very fun and exciting, and we look forward to it. And for some, it's a day that we dread the entire year. And this is the last place that you want to be because you're just reminded of what you don't have. The reality is, is that we live in a broken, painful, difficult world where the image of father has been tainted by imperfect dads, by imperfect men that have been distant that have been hurtful, that have been uh, unavailable or, or harmful in our lives. We live in a broken world where even the best dads and the best men let us down and make mistakes, and one is preaching to you this morning, and that's just the reality of the world that we live in. For many of you, this is a great day, and for some of you, I just want to acknowledge it's a day of grief. It's a day of sorrow. It's the first Father's Day without your dad or without your grandpa, without a man in your life. And so wherever you are this morning, I just want you to know that God knows exactly where you are. Not just physically, but in your heart, emotionally, spiritually. He knows where you're at and you're in the right place. I've talked to so many men that have said, oh man, the last place I want to (laughs) be, the last place I want to be is in worship on Father's Day because it's just going to remind me of everything that I didn't have or anything that I don't have right now or the pains and the losses that I've experienced. I just want to share this with you this morning and maybe just offer this as a challenge for some of you. Some of you need to hear this today. We are all products of our past. There's nothing we can do to change that. Every single one of us walks in here this morning on this Father's Day with a different story. And those of you worshiping online, whatever your family circumstances are, we are all products of our past. Our mothers, our fathers, our upbringing, our cycle of socialization, as we like to talk about at Hope Elam a lot, makes us who we are. We are products of our past. But I want to declare to you this morning that you are a product of your past, but you do not have to be a prisoner. You don't have to let it keep its hooks in you. You are free in Jesus Christ. And for some of you this morning, maybe this is the Father's Day. Maybe this is the Father's Day where you let go of some of that anger 
and that resentment and that bitterness. And I just want to tell you this morning, you don't have to carry that. You may have brought it in here with you this morning, but you do not have to pick it up and walk back out with it this morning. You are in the right place this morning. You are in your father's house this Father's Day. And I want to also encourage you, for those of you that aren't fathers, that aren't grandfathers, that aren't dads, don't check out and assume that this isn't for you because we're all God's children. One thing we all have in common is that we have a heavenly father. So men, if you're sitting next to some ladies or some of your family or some of your kids, just turn to them, give them a gentle, gently uh, Father's Day elbow and just say, hey, pay attention. This one's for you too. Tell them that right now. Pay attention. This one's for you too. Don't check out on us. Every single one of us has a good and loving father, regardless of what the circumstances surrounding our earthly father is like. And yet when I say that for some of you, yeah, yeah, John, that's great, but that's for those that have that image of a father. When I say that you have a good and loving and perfect father, that's not the image that some of you have. Inadvertently, some of us just do this subconsciously as we go throughout our lives. When we see God as Father, we see God as a parent, we assign to Him whatever the characteristics of our earthly parents have been. I understand that maybe some of you grew up without a father in the home, that it was your mom that raised you and she played both roles, or a, an aunt, or an uncle, or a grandpa, or a grandma. I get that. A lot of different people can be a mother or father figure in our lives. But what we do without even thinking about it as we go throughout our lives, and a lot of us will live our entire adult lives this way, is that we'll assign whatever image of our earthly father and we'll just assume, well, that's what God's like. If our earthly father was emotionally distant or passive, well, then God must be distant and and not care. If my earthly father was abusive or angry, didn't like me, then I'm assuming that God is angry with me as well, that somehow I have to earn his approval by the way that I live my life. And the good news on this Father's Day is that none of that is true. Instead, probably the most important news that I could share with you today is wrapped up in one of the most familiar passages for a lot of you, but I want you to see it in a brand new light this morning. Let's read this nice and loud in your 11 o'clock. You've had your coffee. People, there is coffee in the lobby. Praise God for that. We're back. Very, very exciting. So in your well-caffeinated 11 o'clock voices, let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Just pause there for a second. Let's just do the first half of the verse. This is the greatest news that we could ever hear. If you have ever doubted what God the Father's heart is for you, look no further than John 3.16. If you've ever doubted that he doesn't love you, that he doesn't care for you, that he's not involved in your life, he gave everything. He gave it all for you. He gave his one and only son. And so if you doubt what God is like, look no further than the cross. He gave it all for you today. And not only does he love you, the good news just keeps coming. So let's leave the rest of it. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Guys, if you're like me, you've heard a lot of other men talk and say, the reason I don't like to come to church, not just on Father's Day, but the reason I don't want to come to church, period, is because I know a lot of guys, if you're like me, you don't need one more person standing up on a stage telling you how bad of a dad you are that you could be a better man, that you need to step it up, that you need to man up. And I've got some really good news for you this morning. That's not the offer of Christianity. That's not the offer of Jesus. Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to lift you up this morning. And God says, men, women alike, I want to remind you of who you are. You are a child of God, loved, forgiven, restored, redeemed by him. That's who you are. 
The offer of Christianity, guys, if I can speak to you for a moment this Father's Day, the offer, the invitation of Jesus, and for men in the church, isn't to man up, it's to man down on our knees, every single one of us in desperate need for a Savior. Amen? That's who we are. We all need him together because we all have dads, not just of earthly parents, from earthly parents, but of a heavenly Father that loves us. And guys, the last thing we need is more guilt and more shame. I think if you're like me, you're probably your own worst critic. You come in here this morning with a lot, the weight of the world on your shoulders, and you're looking for wisdom, and you're looking for direction. God is not looking for perfect men or women. He's looking for men and women this morning that are willing to be fathered. They're willing for God to come alongside of them as a heavenly parent and be everything and more. And the As it turns out, the good news is this was his plan all along. God wants to love you. He wants to develop you. He wants to guide you along the path of life. And he's been there the whole time. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. I love how Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. Even before he made the world. Let me read that again. Even before he made the world, God loved us. And chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are chosen. Tell them that right now. You are chosen. Tell them that right now. You are chosen. God chose you. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. There's a whole lot of stuff wrapped up there. A whole lot of good news for us this Father's Day wrapped up in just those two verses. First of all, you got to understand in Paul's day as an adopted child that what Paul is saying is here is that you have the same rights as a firstborn heir. In Paul's day, the firstborn uh, would be the heir to the inheritance, the firstborn son. It was a patriarchal society, and so unfortunately the girls didn't get a lot and the boys got a lot, especially the firstborn son. You are the rightful heir. You get the inheritance. You get all the affection and the admiration and the generosity of your father. You get the kingdom. You get the inheritance. And that was reserved for the firstborn son. And usually, as it was because of that, the firstborn was the father's favorite. What is Paul saying to you this morning? You have been adopted into God's family. You have been adopted, and it gives him great pleasure. Some of you need to hear this this morning. God loves you not with some generic love, not as some random face in the crowd, and God just says, I love all of you. Yes, he does. God looks at you this Father's Day, men and women alike. He looks you in the eyes in a very personal and powerful way and says, you are my favorite. I see you. I see you. I notice you. I can pick your face out of a crowd. Why? Because I created you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. You are uniquely made. You have value. You have worth. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. You are my favorite. And not only that, the back half of this verse is amazing. And this verse always has has been amazing to me because I think for the longest time I thought, well, this is kind of a backup plan that, that God had to be our father. But that's not what it says. Before he made the world, I always thought that God created the world and then some people lucked out and had really good dads and some people had a really rough time and had terrible experiences with their dad. But that's not what this says. God said, this was my plan all along. It brings me great joy. It brings me great delight. I love being your father. 
I created the world in such a way that you would need me, that you would need a heavenly parent that's walking beside of you and you don't have to do life alone. What if Father's Day wasn't about some people have great dads and some people have bad dads? What if Father's Day wasn't about I feel adequate as a parent or I feel good enough as a man or good enough as a woman to earn God's love? What if Father's Day was about the fact that you have a heavenly father that loves you and that you don't have to do life alone? That's the good news for you this morning. You don't have to do life alone. I love how the great Christian author George MacDonald says that this is just a little treasure in one of his very old books. He says this, probably the hardest, gladdest thing in the world is to cry, Father, from a full heart. Jesus taught us that. Every single time that we pray the Lord's Prayer, do you know what you're saying? Our Father. That word Father literally means daddy. And to say daddy is probably one of the most vulnerable things that you can do. I have two little kids and they run up on my lap and, and, and they say, daddy, nothing brings me more joy. And God says, nothing should bring you more joy. The deep gladness is to cry, I have a father that loves me. And there are so many Christian, church-going men and women that go their entire lives living like that's not true. Assigning our earthly experiences to a good and perfect and loving God. To cry out, Father, from a glad and full heart. If only we lived that way. Paul frames the narrative up for us this way. He continues to talk about this idea of being adopted here in Romans chapter 8. Paul says this, let's read it nice and loud together. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. Another way of understanding slaves in that day would have been orphans. We can live like orphans. We can live like slaves. Orphans were nothing more than Child labor, if you're an orphan, nothing more is your primary motivation is not making your owner mad for fear of punishment. Oh, wait, let me say that again. Your primary motivation is not screwing up, is performing well, is doing your job, is not making your master mad for fear of punishment. And a lot of us have lived our Christian lives the exact same way. God is that cruel and harsh master sitting up in heaven with a giant ruler waiting for us to screw up. And that's the image of father that you have. And so what we can end up doing, Paul says, is we can live like sons and daughters. We can embrace that spirit that we've been given when we put our faith in Jesus. Or actually a lot of us can end up living like slaves or worse yet, what's the opposite of being adopted? Like orphans. Like little boys and little girls that don't really believe that we have a father that loves us. And so we can live one of two ways. And so Paul says you can go down this road or you can go down this road. You can live like a son or daughter. You can live like an orphan. And I want to view that, that dichotomy this morning through four different questions that all of us are asking. Men, women, young and old, black, brown, white, it does not matter. Every single one of us are asking these questions is what it means to be human. And the first question is this. How will I find love? And I'm not talking about romantic love. I'm talking about love, period. How do I know that I'm loved? 
Well, if you've been adopted, and what I love about our church is that we have several families that have adopted children, that they're blended families. They've had some kids of their own. They've adopted other kids. Maybe you weren't able to have kids, so you've adopted, and they are your own. You call them your kids. How do they know that they're loved? It's who they are. It's their identity. That's how they know that you're loved, that they're loved. They didn't have to do anything to earn your love. They're your kids, and the same is true with God. I've adopted you. You are mine. You're not like the rest of the world. You are mine. But if you're an orphan and you're in a, in a whole house of orphans, and there's probably one or two mother or father figures, everybody is clamoring for their affection. And some of you have lived your lives this way. How much of what you do is birthed out of who you truly are and how much of it is birthed out of just being desperate for others' approval. How much of what you do is because actually you're living a little bit more like an orphan than a beloved son or daughter. God says that's not who you are. And we live like an orphan and we say, if I, if I, if I, if I do a better job, if I, if I strive, if I, if I do my best, then, then if I can perform and it sneaks into our Christianity, if I go to church more, if I pray more, if I read my Bible more, then maybe God will be happy with me. That's all orphan thinking. I don't do these things in order to get love. As Christians, we do these things because we are loved. It's the overflow. That's son and daughter thinking thinking versus orphan thinking. But here's the thing. We can also live like orphans in this longing for love. We can do this with our own parents as well. I remember it like it was yesterday. This is about seven or eight years ago. We were in a men's group and I was hanging out with some guys. It was the end of our study and we were learning about this image of God as our Heavenly Father. And we got to the end of the study and there were several men in the group. And I remember one of these men, he was kind of in his mid-40s, very, very successful businessman. On the outside, he had everything going for him. Highly successful, wealthy, beautiful Christian family. Everything was great on the outside and yet on the inside, he was crumbling. And we didn't know much about him. You know, you can go to Bible study your whole life and never really mature. You can go to church your whole life and never really grow up. You can grow old and never really grow up. And here's this man in his mid-40s that's been in this Bible study with us, and I'll never forget the moment. One of the older gentlemen, uh, upper 60s, uh, 70s, decided, hey, we've just been learning about God as Father, and I just want to end tonight's study by praying a blessing over you guys. And as he started to pray, we all kind of laid hands on each other, and then several of us that had our hands on the back of this middle-aged, successful businessman who we'd known for a couple years just starts to shake, his back starts to shake a little bit, just starts to weep uncontrollably. As this older, wiser man spoke God's love and his favor and his blessing upon him. So as we got done, he's wiping the tears from his eyes. He's like, guys, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You never have to apologize. I hope you know that by now, guys, that this is not the kind of church where you have to hide your tears, okay? We cry here. That's what we do. And so he's just crying and he's, he's trying to explain it away. And we're like, what, what's going on? My dad never gave me that. I lived my entire life, and as a self-described workaholic, he said, I've worked 70 hours a week for the last 20 years, and I just realized it was to get the approval, to get that, to hear those words from my dad. And he's been gone for 12 years. There's a little boy or a little girl in every single one of us that comes out sometimes during those vulnerable moments. 
And if as adults, if we would slow down enough to pay attention to where that younger part of us is, God wants to grow us into maturity. He wants you to understand who you are as his beloved son or daughter today. That's the message of Father's Day. Not what you didn't get, not what you don't have, but what you do have in your heavenly Father. Every single one of us longs for that. This longing for love has nothing to do with being young or old or rich or poor from the city or the suburb or black or brown or white. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with being human. And until we find that, until we find that love, we will run everywhere looking for that love that we can only find in God. Amen? But here's the good news. (laughs) You can't earn something that you already have even though some of us try. Amen? You can't earn something that you already have. Nobody gets a Christmas gift from their parents and goes, "Uh, how much do I owe you? It's a gift! Receive it! And yet some of us live our entire Christian adult lives trying to earn something that we already have. I love it. I love it that Father's Day and Juneteenth weekend fall on the same weekend. You want to know why? It's because we get to celebrate the fact today that we have a Father that created us as one, as equals, regardless of the color of our skin. God created us as one, and he says, you have inherent value and worth. I have a plan and a purpose for your life, and when injustices come, we have a heavenly Father whose heart breaks for that. And so we rejoice and we celebrate weekends like Juneteenth because that's who our Father is. Amen? That his heart created us as one, as equal. So thankful for that. We have a God that loves us. And if that's what our Father is like, then let's act like his kids. Amen? Let's be those kind of kids. Let's not worship the Father on Sunday and then not love his kids the rest of the week regardless of who those kids are, regardless of whether we see the world from the same vantage point, the the color of our skin, our background, our race, our culture, our cycle of socialization. And I'm so thankful for that. We had an incredible, incredible time last Sunday celebrating Juneteenth. If you were here, can you give God praise for what God did in this place last Sunday? It was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm surprised that the roof is still on this place. It was crazy in here and it was fun and we had a big old Jesus party. I just want to challenge you with this today as one of your pastors that's learning, that's humbled, then humbled this last year. I want to encourage you on this June 13th, Juneteenth weekend to be, I can't, I can't preach a sermon on who God is as our father and not tell you what his heart breaks for, that when his kids see each other as less than. And his heart breaks for the oppressed. His heart breaks for those that have been pushed down for years. And so I just want to challenge you on this Juneteenth weekend to do three things. Number one, to take the time to read and understand the history of our nation, not as you want it to be, but as it truly is. Even the parts that make you uncomfortable, okay? I want to challenge you with that. The second thing that I want to encourage you to do is to listen. Listen is a, listening is a lost art in our culture. This is who God is. God is a God that comes alongside of us in the person of Jesus and shows empathy and compassion. Even if I don't understand what your experience was like, do I have the maturity to sit with you and not try to fix you or to project my experiences on you, but to receive and try to understand you where you're coming from? I'll never be able to walk in your shoes, but I can sit and I can listen. And so read and listen and last but not do, last but not least do. 
do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God as the prophet Isaiah encourages us to do. Love your neighbors well, even those that are different than you. Serve, and that's the kind of church that we're going to be. That's the kind of church that Hope Elam has been called to be. Not a church that just walks the walk, but that talks the talk. Amen? That's who we've been called to be. I want to remind us today that because God is a good and loving father, he does this. He's the kind of father that comforts the afflicted. And some of you need that today. I understand that. But because he's a good and loving father, he also afflicts the comfortable. And God knows what you need today. Get out of your comfort zone. Let God move and shake in your heart to say, what does it look like to be a son or daughter of the king of kings and the Lord of lords? God wants to move you from being an orphan that feels like you need to perform to get his love to understanding that's your identity. The second big question that all of us are asking is, how do I navigate life? How do I navigate life? Where where do I go? What, what, What do I do? If you're an orphan, you don't have anybody to ask. You don't have a mother or father figure to ask, and so you're gonna be alone. You're gonna feel like, I got, I got nobody to go to. And you're faced with challenges and questions and obstacles in life. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes do you ever have this go through your mind? Well, I guess it's up to me now. I guess I've gotta figure this out. Men in particular, if I can speak to you today, our culture was sold, sold the John Wayne syndrome <laughs> the maverick, the top gun, so cool terrible way to live life. You can do it, tough guy. You can do it. Just man up. Just be strong enough. Just do it on your own. That is not the message of Christianity. How many times have you had this go through your head? Real men don't ask for help or just for all of us. Why is life so dang hard all the time? (laughs) And I feel so alone. All of a sudden that's orphan thinking instead of son or daughter thinking. And we feel like we have to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. Or like the song says, I feel like i got to have the whole world in my hands. And some of you moms and dads, maybe you feel that way today. Kind of a humorous way of looking about it. There was a commercial that came out a long time ago, and you'll notice it's a little grainy, so you'll notice it's dated. But uh, I don't know if there's anybody, NBA Kevin Garnett fans out there. He played a long time ago. And so there's this random Adidas commercial, and every time I've seen it, I just said, that's it. That's how so often we live. Number one, it's okay to laugh in church. And number two, take a look and see if this isn't how you feel today. Take a look. Impossible is nothing. I guess that's all you have to do. You just buy a pair of Kevin Garnett Adidas basketball shoes and then you can carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. You got it. And we laugh and giggle at that. That's exactly how some of you feel today, isn't it? Or every day. I'm going to come to church and sing the songs and pray the prayers and go through the motions. And I literally am crumbling because I am believing the lie that life is up to me. I'm literally the Atlas man with the weight of the world on my shoulders. Kevin Garnett was never meant to do that. You were never meant to do that. God is the only one that can hold the whole world in his hands. Amen. And I want, I want you to know this this morning. That Hope Elam is the kind of church where you can come in and if even if you've had a week like that and you feel like you're carrying the stress, the anxiety, parenting, parenting your parents, caring for people that are lost or sick or hurting, your job, your marriage, your fear, that you can come and you can lay that down at the foot of the cross and you don't have to carry that anymore. You can let it go. God says to you today, just like probably he says to Kevin Garnett, isn't that exhausting? That's an exhausting way to live. 
Jesus comes to us in John 14, and he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And so my challenge to you, some of you have a big decision to make these days. Some of you are trying to navigate all sorts of things in your life. When's the last time you asked your father? Do you know how to hear God's voice? We have prayer classes that can help you with that. Find a mentor in prayer that can help you hear God's voice. When's the last time you asked God? He is deeply involved in the details of your life. And he wants you to move from an orphan thinking of alone to thinking like a son or daughter that can be guided. You're not alone. Those are the first two questions. But the third one is this. Of all the questions that we'll ask, one of the most important is who will I become? Every single one of us has a, an image of a man or a woman that we want to be that's out there in the future. And the question is, how do we grow? How do we grow up? You can grow old but not grow up because I'm talking about growing up in here. Becoming a man or woman that's moving on to maturity, as Paul talks about in the New Testament. One of the ways that I'm thinking about this is our son, Caleb, that's eight, is playing baseball for the first time uh, this summer. And they're not using tees. It's kind of a combination of kid pitch and coach pitch and everything like that. And been helping out as one of the coaches. And so I'm not trying to brag or anything, but we're on a three-game winning streak. So I'm just going to lay that out there. Bit. Cubs are ready to call me up. They need a new manager. You know, I'm just doing, doing really well. So here's the thing about seven and eight-year-old baseball, though. The two biggest things that we're working on is when you hit the ball that you run to first, that you go that way and not that way. And if you're in the outfield, it's not a competition on how long you can pick your nose. Like, you got to pay attention and, and be in the game. That's the kind of stuff that we're working on right now. It would be a shame if 10 years from now, as my son's graduating from high school, if he was still in T-ball. Okay, I love him, and it's not about winning, and it's not about his performance. I love him. Every single game, I ask you, did you do your best, and did you have fun? That's what matters. You have the rest of your life to compete, and I don't care if you make the traveling team or not. My love for you doesn't change based on how good of a baseball player you are. You are my son, and I love you. But it would be a crying shame if when he's 18, he's hitting off the tee and running to third and first and picking his nose in the outfield. Like, we got to move on from that at some point, right? God calls all of us to grow up, to mature, to discover who we are. And again, it's not a man up, woman up, be tough, be strong. It's a step into who God says you already are. That's Christian maturity. Learning who God says you already are and living like it's true. Amen? That's maturity. And so for some of us, it's time to move on from a t-ball faith. It's time to grow up. It's time to be the, the man or woman that God has called you to be. Because here's the thing, for some of us, we're living so much of our lives for the approval of others. I don't know what that movement or what that shift needs to look like for you today, but God calls the church not to be a church full of orphans, but to be a church full of spiritual mothers and fathers that are growing up in the faith and then passing the baton and investing in the next generation. That's what servant leaders do. And so if you're farther along in your Christian journey, if you're farther along in your faith life, your job is not a been there, done that, bought the t-shirt mindset when it comes to Christianity. You go back and you find those people that are earlier or younger on their journey and you put your arm around them and you say, let's go. I'm all in with you. Follow me as I follow Christ. I'm not perfect, but I'm running after him. That's a healthy church is when spiritual mothers and fathers are investing in the next generation. That has nothing to do with whether you have kids or not. That has to do with who God has called you to be. Because the reality is, is that when we move into maturity, if, you don't, if, if we don't let God's word define that for us, the world will gladly define it. 
And on this Father's Day, guys, if I could speak to you for a moment, if all you watched was movies and Netflix and television, what would they tell you that a real man is? How we just kind of wink, wink, giggle at it, selfish, lazy, passive, probably a womanizer, never around, got to be super tough, got to have it all together. And unfortunately, the danger is we've dragged that mentality into the church as well. And I pray to God that this has not been your experience here, but maybe it's been your experience in the past with church. Well, now I'm saved, so I'm a dude, so I guess I'm going to drink a little bit less, smoke a little bit less, probably look at less things on the internet, uh, you know, and just try to be a better guy. Just try to be an all-around nice guy. That's my big dream. I've never met a guy that big, whose big dream is to be nice. Certainly that's part of it, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. God wants your heart to come alive, man. He wants you to discover who he created you to be, and that's his son. And that's where your confidence comes from. It's not from being a macho man or mustering up. Jesus was probably 5'8", a hundred and nothing. And yet he is the defining example of what it means to be a man. Humble, sacrificial, servant-hearted, filled with love, and yet bold and courageous. Why? Because he knew who his father was. Do you? Do you know who you are? Is that, is that where your confidence and your security comes from? There's a lot of little boys wandering around in grown men's clothing. And sometimes I'm one of them because I forget who I am and I try to be somebody that I'm not. But you realize you're a son or daughter, then you don't have to fall prey to all the insecurities. Secure men and women have stopped living for the expectation of others. In fact, there was a survey done several years ago. They interviewed thousands of Christian men, men that would call themselves believers, that worship on a regular basis, that are all in for Jesus. And they interviewed men in their 60s, 70s, and 80s that were nearing retirement or retirement, looking back, and they said, what would be your words of advice for guys in their 20s and 30s? As spiritual fathers, what have you learned? As imperfect men, what would you want to pass on to the next generation? And there's hundreds of answers, and they boil it down. I'll just give you the top five, and we'll start with five. And they said this. This is reflecting back on years of their life and wisdom. They said, I wish I wouldn't have worked so much overtime. Number four, I wish I wouldn't have pushed my kids to be so busy. I know it's hard to believe, but sometimes we vicariously live through our kids to get the thing that we never got as a kid. Don't do that to your kids. Don't put the weight of the world on their shoulders. Go to God, get what you need from him, and then be a blessing to your kids. Over and over, resolved around work, pushing your kids to be busy. Number three was this. I wish I wouldn't have been so scared to lead my kids spiritually. Hope Kids is awesome. <laughs> Your church family is awesome. Our youth and family staff do an incredible job. But you know who they're watching 24-7? You. And your job is not to be perfect. It's to be faithful and to show up every day with all of your flaws and all of your failure. They need you. They need to see Jesus lived out seven days a week. They need you. You have what it takes. You have what it takes. Number two is this, getting towards the top. I wish I wouldn't have taken so long to get help for my marriage for those that were married. I wish I wouldn't have tried to tough it out. Well, we're Christians, so we can't have problems in our marriage. No, you have a father. 
you have help. You have friends. You have a small group. You have mentoring. You have coaching. You have counseling. You have a therapist. You have help. Don't do it alone. You have a father. And then number one, no big shocker, I wish I would have lived for things that last. Because they're getting towards those stages of their life when they're counting it all up and they're doing some inventory on their life and saying, wow, how many Father's Day sermons did I sit through at church and went, yeah, 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 I'll get to it, but I got a busy Monday. Is it worth it, men? Is it worth it, women? Because you could do that exact same list. Maybe we struggle with different things, but the root of it is the same. Am I going to live like an orphan or am I going to live like a son or daughter? Am I going to live in immaturity or am I going to move on to maturity? We chase sometimes every other expectation and every other opinion except the one that really matters. And yet the last question that so often we ask that all of us ask, men or women alike, is am I going to live life connected? Am I going to do life alone? Am I going to do life as a part of a team? And it's Father's Day, and not only is it Juneteenth, and not only is it Father's Day, it's the final round of the U.S. Open today. Is anybody excited about that? Four of you. Awesome. Great. So for all the awesome golf fans uh, that are out there, here's the thing. I had planned to practice a little bit for you today. I was going to hit a ball right off the stage, and I forgot the golf ball. I know, big coincidence. I didn't want to dent our nice stage. Our renovators did such a great job on it. But here's the thing. I love golf so much. I love watching it. Uh, I love playing it. I love falling asleep on the couch to it, um, to Jim Nance's voice on CBS. It's awesome. And yet here's the reality. 95% of the sports that we love are team sports. Basketball, baseball, football, all these things that we love. They're soccer. They're, they're, they're team sports. There's one thing that's different about golf is you're pretty much out there all by yourself. And maybe you have your caddy, but at the end of the day, it's up to you. And if you screw up, you have to deal with it. It is up to you. Golf is an individual sport. It's completely up to you. And that's a great thing for golf. It's a terrible way to live for men and women alike. King Solomon, one of the wisest men to have ever lived, he had everything. He had everything, says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Two are better than, you know this isn't just for a wedding service, right? This is more than that. Okay. Two are better than one. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Guys, that's me. That's been me many times. How about you? And I just, I'm speaking to the guys, not because women don't struggle with this too. Ladies, you do in your own way. We all have these struggles. How many friends do you have? Like how many real friends do you have? And I'm not talking about your golfing buddies or your drinking buddies or the guys that you nod to at the water cooler. The guys in your cubicle at work. The guys on your Zoom calls. I'm talking about how many real friends do you have that really know you. And when you find them, keep them, cherish them. Because real friends are hard to find. Find them. Keep them. Real friends are, pe- are friends that tell you not just what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. Real friends, men and women are like, are men and women that push you to be more and more like Jesus. Don't live life alone. Will you live connected? Will you live as an individual? Or will you surround yourself with a team? Guys, we talk about this. Women, we talk about it. Men's and women's ministry and small groups. Guys that meet on Saturday mornings. Have you checked that out? Come and experience. Some of you are like, you can't find real friends in the church. I dare you. 
I dare you to find a real friend in the church and discover maybe we're a little weird. Yes, but I can connect with these guys on a deeper level because there's something deeper going on than just what I do Monday through Friday. I'm talking about friendship on the level of the soul. I'm talking about a forever family. I'm talking about God doing a work in your heart and finding some guys that you can cry with, some guys that you can bury your soul with and say, I don't have it all together. My marriage has fallen apart. My finances are on the rocks. I'm really hurting and struggling because my dad died this year and I don't know who I am. Who do you have? Who do you have in your life that is your team? Stop playing life like golf and find a team. Christianity is a team sport, amen? And we were never meant to do it alone. Find a small group. And for some of you guys, I want to challenge you today. You are spiritual fathers. Start one. Start one. Find some guys in your life and say, I'm tired of going through the motions and showing up at church every week and not doing anything with it. I'm going to lead. God's made me a leader. I'm going to lead. Men and women alike. Find some men in the next generation and say, I'm not perfect, but I want to pour my life into you. Follow me as I follow Christ. I want to build my team. I don't want to be on that list of statistics and say, would have, should have, could have. Seize the day. Start now. This is the Father's Day. Not to man up, but to man down and say, God, I need help. Every single one of us, we'll end where we started, has been adopted. And because of that, you don't have to live life alone. You can move from immaturity to maturity, and you don't have to live life individually. You can live it as a team. And for those of you that have been adoptive parents, you know the depth of that love. You know that feeling of what it means to be welcomed. And maybe you're grown up and you were adopted, and you remember that feeling of being chosen, of being wanted. And so I want to end this morning with a clip about three dads that got to experience the power of being asked if they would be willing to adopt. And I don't want you to be thrown off. Sometimes the Holy Spirit shows up in commercials, even Budweiser commercials, okay? So just deal with it. It's Father's Day, and guys, I didn't want you to forget the sermon, okay? Don't pay attention to the marketing. Don't pay attention to the branding or the drink. It's not about beer. It's about being adopted. Don't miss it. Take a look. Mark is my technically stepdad, but really my dad. This is my wonderful stepdad, Randy. Um, it feels like he's been around forever. This is my lovely stepdad of 28 years now. I should say just dad at this point. Look at that. If you a little bit harder, you could have got both of them. I didn't really have like a close relationship with my like actual dad, so when I met Mark, I was like, oh, this is like what a dad is. Growing up, it was just my mom and I. I had this fantasy that my parents were gonna get back together. When my mom met Randy, I just remember my mom would try to get us to act like father and daughter. I was not having it. I don't need this other person trying to come in and be my dad. Your pole's all backwards. Well, see? When I met Paul 28 years ago, I was a fiery little uh, a brat. You said it, not me. <laughs> As a stepfather, you know, you have boundaries and, you know, the relationship it develops over time. And I just took things, you know, day by day and you know, we grew as a family. I told your mom when I first met her, I was like, I want this. You know, it took some time, but I suddenly saw Randy in a different light. There's this person right here that loves me and will do anything for me. And then it was like, boom, 
What are you doing? You have, you have someone right there, like right in front of you. I think she got the work ethic from me. I do always have a job and pay my bills and... Except your phone bill. <laughs> well, I think parents should always keep you on their phone bill. I do too, because that way I know she'll call us. That's true. <laughs> this is uh, kind of a part of this that you didn't really know. I wanted to actually ask you to, um, like, legally adopt me, because I've been using your last name anyways. If you could just, like, actually, like, legally adopt me, I think would be like, kind of just like a beautiful ceremonial thing, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I think it would be. So how do you envision your wedding? Mainly, I want you to be the one to walk me down the aisle. But more than that, um, I was wondering if you'd adopt me and become my dad for real. Everything that my biological father promised that he would do, you actually came through and did. I just wanted to ask you if you would like to adopt me as yours. Love you. Does your mom know about this? <laughs> I feel like I'm making up for something that I never had. It feels like I had this family all along and I didn't see that I had it. To me, he's always been my father. It's like I've had this family all along and I didn't even realize it. It's like I've had this father all along. He was right there the whole time and I didn't even realize it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. You've had a family all along as well. As imperfect as it is called the church, made up of other sons and daughters, your brothers and sisters sitting around you today, whether you realize it or not. And yeah, they're a little strange too sometimes. We all are. And they're not perfect, but they love you. Regardless of what your experience has been like with the church, you've had a family all along. And we're not perfect, but here you belong. I want you to hear that today. You belong. You've also had a father all along that loves you and I don't know if you saw the, the nervousness or the apprehension in each of them. I don't, I don't know how to ask this. And I have to maybe kind of earn your approval a little bit. And I just love the dad that interrupted a sentence. Stop talking. Come here. You have a father in heaven that has adopted you. And you didn't even have to ask. His arms are open wide for you today. And I'm sorry if your experience has been with the church has been anything else that somebody has pushed you away from a kind and loving father. But it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's love for you that draws you back to him. So come running to him with open arms today. That's what the church should be defined by, is our radical love, that you can come and that we would not get in the way of you experiencing the embrace of a father that has adopted you, that has chosen you today, that has forgiven you, and that loves you. He says, I am for you. I am for you. And he wants to speak just like that men's Bible study that I always remember. He wants to speak a blessing over you, men and women alike today, brothers and sisters. He wants to speak a blessing over you. 
And last week as a church, we taught you one of the new songs that we're doing during the season of new songs called The Blessing. And I couldn't think of any other song that to end with today. And so often when we sing this song, we're singing it for somebody, and rightly so. Think of your kids and your grandkids and your friends and your neighbors. But ultimately, I want you to hear today God singing this over you and to receive that. And if you're comfortable, would you stand on up right now? And if you're comfortable, that you would reach out your hands and receive this blessing. Yes, to pray it over our church, to pray it over those around you and your family. But hear God speak this blessing over you. And putting your hands up is not saying, look at me, I'm so amazing. Putting your hands up is receiving the blessing of the Father. Let's receive that today. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope.elam.org.